0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Bold, Beautiful, Borderline podcast. I'm your host, Sarah, and I'm here with the other amazing, fabulous host, Lori, I feel like I haven't said that in a long time. Lately, I feel like Lori's been introducing, so that's fun that I get to (laughs) amp her up here. Um, And we have a really special guest episode today. Our friends at BPD Humans, Milena and Mahima, are here with us, and we're going to talk about mental health services and the experience of people living with borderline personality disorder in India. Um, So really, really grateful to have you guys. And yeah, do you want to just go ahead and introduce yourselves?
1: Thank you for having us, Sarah and Laurie. Um, we are really excited for this. Um, I'm Mahima, and we are Milena and Mahima from BPG Humans. India, like you introduced, I think we we would focus on the fact that how we started building this community of BPG people experiencing BPG last year. So that is something that we will be talking throughout the podcast. Apart from that, um, I am a mass media graduate on a hunt for jobs. So if anyone is looking, I am on a hunt of jobs. Uh, yeah, um, that's about me. I, I, I have a dog. I love him. And yeah, I think I've been very grateful and it's It's been an honor to have a community and to be able to build it in a country where you don't talk about mental illness. And uh, lately, there has been a rise in conversations, especially around depression and anxiety. But when it comes to um, illnesses like schizophrenia, borderline personality disorder, there is not so much talk about. So it's literally like, also, they also had depression or they also had, uh, I don't know, anxiety. But when you come to BPD, people don't know jack shit about what it is. So,
2: yeah. Milana. Yes. So, hi, I'm Milana and um, I am an incoming MBA graduate. I mean, I'm, I'm an incoming MBA candidate, sorry not a graduate um and uh, I um I have a diagnosis of borderline personality disorder and bipolar disorder so double whammy yay and uh, I I don't have pets so unfortunately I don't so I'm a dog stalker I stalk all the dogs in my building uh, shamelessly rather shamelessly and um yeah, it's, it's lovely to be here. I think Mahima has very accurately summed up uh, the, the, the state of affairs of BPD in our country. Um, and like she said, you know, there are conversations that are burgeoning around um, anxiety and depression. But when it comes to more serious, not serious, I mean, I think that's the wrong word, but more uh, esoteric mental health conditions. I think the conversation is kind of um, skewed. There's a lot of stigma attached to it. People consider us mad. Uh, you know, with anxiety, depression, I think people are warming up to the idea that these are clinical conditions and that there is nothing scary about them. But uh, when it comes to, you know, schizophrenia or uh, bipolar disorder, borderline personality disorder, there's a lot of fear around it. People are terrified of these labels. And there's a general assumption that these people are loony and they're out of their minds. So uh, that exists. And you know what? Recently, uh, it's not... So, for the longest time, suicide was a crime in India. I mean, it was a punishable offence. You'd be thrown into jail if you attempted um, suicide. Um, and, you know, this changed, I think, around 2018 or 2017, somewhere around that time. Thank you. So, it's a very recent... Sorry?
1: Thank you. The bill came out. Yeah. The bill was passed. Yeah, yeah.
2: 2018 then so it's a very recent development and you know um i think that's very telling of the situation in india when it comes to mental health for the longest time we thought suicide is a crime um and so um that's that's what i'm trying to uh you know i think that's about it
3: wow that's really interesting thank you um i know it was a crime in canada for a while as well and i'm sure it was in the states too i know that we we try really hard to uh now kind of move from the language of committing suicide to dying by suicide because committing is that is that uh language right which is super interesting so I'm honestly I'm super happy to hear that depression and anxiety are becoming a little bit more talked about in India but of course like the kind of different more, more rare mental health issues um less so so um, I think I was saying over email, I grew up in an area that has like a very, very, very huge population from India. And I know, and I've worked in mental health in that in that area for a long time, Surrey, British Columbia, if anybody is interested in knowing that. Um, and like, I know that people from India's stigma about mental health is so hard because there's a lot of people who are experiencing mental health issues here, um, but there's like the cultural the cultural challenge of not wanting to talk about it and like the shame based kind of, I guess it makes sense if you're feeling like, Oh, those people are just crazy. And like, that's kind of how it's being written off. Right. Um, But it's definitely a challenge here. And I know that substance use as well is kind of often like pushed under, um, under the table and like people aren't trying to talk about it. And it's something that we've been working on really hard here. So um, I know that there's a lot of people who are experiencing mental health issues, um, obviously, coming from India um, to Canada, but it's interesting to know that like the context of where India is at, it kind of makes sense that it's being a little bit more pushed down here too, you know?
1: Funny that you mentioned like how we are trying to change, uh, comic suicide to dying by suicide. because literally the other day. I was reading the newspaper and it said comic suicide, so somebody had died of suicide and, Exact comic exercise. And being from the mass media background, from journalism back background, it just kicks you. Like, what are we actually trying to change here? Because yes, we have the bill and uh, for that matter, I am not really sure how informed everybody is about the bill that has come because it does take a lot of enforcement effect because, you know, you can keep on giving out bills and then they lead to nothing. So that is definitely a challenge and like you mentioned in your uh, email as well like about the skate where you're skiing and the cultural impact. So yes, there, there is a lot of religious things that come into place. There is a lot of religion that plays out like, okay, so if you're not doing well, we'll take you to a saint, um, to a sadhu so as to say or or to a pujari that is in hindu culture for example i have like my parents did that so i am telling that from experience um but yeah there is a lot of cultural attachment to it and also a lot of stigma because uh, when it comes to mental health here it's either you are in the asylum or you are okay there is nothing in between so even when you are hospitalized, it's like when you have a complete breakdown, it's not essentially when you need the help. So um, even suicide and everything, it, it has been on an increase lately, especially because of COVID and, you know, all. And India is in a relapse. Like right now we are relapsing again. So it, it is bad, it is bad. But then at the same time, uh, also, yeah, our budget is 40 crores for a year, which is like pretty less when it comes to um, the government budget, allocating the government budget for mental health, given the fact that we are in such a double doors sort of situation. But that being said, um, a lot of individuals are coming up, they're coming out. But also, the problem with that comes is that. Are we really trained mental health professionals or who are we? Are we influencers or are we um sort of life gurus in sorts? So there is a lot of awareness that is going around, but I'm also afraid of the fact that a lot of it is misinformation in between, you know, which could do more harm than good. So, yeah.
3: Absolutely. I I love your page for that because I think you do provide such really good information for people.
2: Thank you. you. And, you know, uh, I think Mahima brought up a very interesting point about religion. Um, Like she mentioned, you know, uh, we'd rather go to an astrologer than to a psychiatrist. Uh, That's the general perception. And uh, even though uh, India is largely a Hindu population, There is a bit of Islam and Christianity as well. And, you know, when it comes to Islam, um, suicide is sort of forbidden, uh, opposed to another culture, like, say, the Japanese communities, like not all of them, but a couple of them are, uh, suicide is sort of honored over there. It's considered an act of bravery. Now, there's no right or wrong to this, but, uh, you know, you can see the stark differences, which come, you know, which come across cultures. And, uh, you know, I think there's a matter of individualistic cultures and collectivistic cultures as well. Um, So if you look at the U.S. or Canada for that matter, I think they're more individualistically oriented, uh, where the self takes precedence over everything else. Um, So I think it's easier for them to warm up to the idea of something like self-care, self-love, compassion, etc., while in a country like India, because I'm not very sure of other countries, but India and Japan for short, being collectivistic societies, um, there is a lot of, um, it's, it's very, there's a tight-knit community of sorts and you're not allowed to think of yourself as much. You know, your well-being is of course important, but um, I think there is, um, there's a general perception that, you know, community can heal everything. And uh, therefore, they're kind of apprehensive about letting people go and seek help because it's considered, you know. Uh, so in India, what happens is if you if you're if you're having an emotional if you're going through emotional turbulence, you are more often than not branded as being dramatic. Uh, we have a word for it; it's called notunki, and it literally means you're being dramatic. And uh, so it's it's largely associated with women because you know the, the general perception is that women are emotionally vulnerable compared to men. That's the notion. And I think somewhere in that discourse, what gets lost is the plight of men under, undergoing mental illnesses. Because uh, India is the kind of country where uh, men are considered to be macho. Uh, you know, there's the idea of Mardangi, uh, which is again a Hindi word for machoistic uh, men. So it's uh, men expressing emotions like Uh, sadness grief uh, depression these are all frowned upon and you know these are considered to be very effeminate uh, emotions and you're often more often than not teased for being ladylike you know it's as if being a lady is derogatory in certain ways so there is uh, so you know I think the culture plays a very crucial role Uh, the, the nature of the culture of any country for that matter and in, there, and in India, it's kind of very starkly noticeable.
3: That's so interesting about, well, all of that is super interesting, but especially the individualistic versus collectivist cultures, right? I mean, I think like anybody that studies psychology knows a lot about that. But to me, as somebody who does come from an individualistic culture, it's interesting um, to hear that like there's less kind of wraparound of people and it's more like just kind of, you got to deal with it because it's not about you is that that's at least how I'm perceiving what you're saying. Um, Whereas you would think that that would be the opposite, right? Like you would think that it would be kind of like the community comes together to support that person. So it's very interesting. I've never really thought of that before.
1: So when you talk about community, so it can go both ways, right? So it can become a good thing and a bad thing at the same time. Um while we are focusing on individualistic approaches when it comes to psychology, especially in the Western uh, areas of the continent, um, in India, it, we are so you know, I, I firmly believe that if we are a collective society, it's very difficult even for us to wrap around the idea that there, needs to be a self. While that is very important, at the same time, I also feel like if the entire culture is closely knit, if the entire culture is a certain way, which is to say as a collective, then I don't think that approaches that are completely new could help as much as approaches to have a community-based structure, a community-based understanding, then perhaps uh, making... community be there for each other could be a more uh idealistic or a more approachable way to deal with mental illness instead of uh having this outsider into our lives you know because in india everything is uh you know your home affair your home affair shouldn't get out you know so uh when we are dealing with home affairs, we would like the home affair to be dealt in a way that is more community-based. And I think even when it comes to b 2 humans now, like I never thought of it that way. I think what we have also tried there is to have a community, even if it's individualistic in the sense that the members are individual, but the, there is a sense of community. There is a sense of togetherness. So I think... A mild blend of both the things could be a better option than to sort of bring along a completely foreign idea to a country that is more collectively
2: um, joined. if that makes sense. Yeah, it does actually a very interesting point uh, Mahima because I think we are trying to blend both of them to sort of optimize the takeaway for both us for the two of us and for the community as well and um, it's it's interesting because I never thought of it that way Um, now that she mentioned it I'm It makes a lot of sense to me. And another point that was really interesting that you brought up, Mahima, is the fact of, you know, home affairs staying within the home. Um, You know, in fact, I don't know about you, Mahima, but at least in my experience, people have, a lot of people have told me that starting BPD Humans and coming out in the open about my own uh, experiences with BPD uh, could be detrimental to me. So they've, they've been like, but, you know, you shouldn't be telling the whole world about the fact that, you know, you have this condition, um, and that you know future employers might uh, might completely reject you for this. So there, there's been a lot of conversation around it, and they think that by exposing my vulnerability to the world, uh, I am going to be perceived as a quote unquote weak person, uh, or I'll be perceived as being attention seeking, um, or any anything negative of that sort. So. Uh, I think it becomes imperative to then understand that it is that much more important to come out in the open and talk about these things because that's the only way you can counter the more, the number of people, you know, the greater, the number of people come out and talk about their own struggles. We are one step closer to achieving uh, a sense of it's okay to talk about it. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does.
1: It does. It completely does because um, uh, I, I don't know if you're familiar with Renee Brown who happens to be somebody I absolutely cherish. So she talks about the fact that the more and more we talk about something that we feel is shameful and if we are responding and we are uh, sort of talk, talk, talk at, with in a way that is empathetic, that is caring and nurturing shame cannot survive. So the more we talk about it, the less the, the lesser impact the shame has on us as a collective. And even with men, even with men like we like Melana mentioned earlier, it's often like you have to be the breadwinner of the house. So you can't show that you know you're not doing okay, which which completely is not okay. You if you're not okay, then you're not okay. You don't have to you know make up a pretense, you don't have to can act for it because, like for example, um, the government set up this suicide helpline um, during COVID, and data suggests that um, most of it, most of the callers were men, which is very different to wrap around your head because uh, wrap your head around because the mainstream idea is that women are the more vulnerable yes they are not not saying that they're not but just the fact that even men are the ones who are suffering is is very um important to the conversation so you cannot just limit to it like especially like we have a poor poor patient professional ratio i think um if i'm getting the data right it's like one psychiatrist over two lakh. Of people like there there are there are lack of psychiatrists and like alone the quality of them it's awful it's awful
3: yeah Yeah, i did wonder about your experiences with that fear of coming out right um because that is scary and it's even scary like it was scary for sarah and i and we had the same exact thing where people said you know you may or may not get jobs in the future and people may use this against you and stuff and and i i would i think that like we're probably in an area that is less stigmatizing for mental illness um just overall obviously it's far from perfect um but just overall and and like the bravery that it must take for the two of you to put yourselves out there like that in the midst of this like intense stigma i just i wonder do you ever regret coming out
1: not I don't yeah, not um I I think it's also because of the kind of environment I was in. I, I can't speak for Milna, but like, at least for me when I got my diagnosis, it was because of the fact that I had an ecosystem and that wasn't the BPD community per se, but it was more of the college I was from. Um our professors, we were in the same college, Melana and I. So um my professors asked me to see a psychiatrist, they helped me through and through. So uh talking about it, yes, people did tell me that you know you shouldn't talk about it. One of my bosses told me that, you know, people will not take you seriously, they will perceive you as somebody who's sort of a nutcase and will not get jobs and everything. Um but after starting BPT Humans, today I have it on my CV. That is how proud I am of it. So yeah. That's so awesome. Fact, it, yeah. It, it's funny because when we were starting out, um, I I think I reiterated this so many times. Um, we were starting out and uh it was last year, May, mental health awareness month again and uh, both of us had put stories on our respective instagram pages um about the fact that if you want to know something about BPD just message us how foolish of us of course nobody asked um we happened to be the only people asking each other and i think that was the very moment i think within half an hour we had the account set up I made a painting, we put it as our profile picture and we made the email and everything because we realized that if we are two people from the same college, it is not possible that there are not other people who go through the same thing and they're probably not speaking because of the shame, because of the stigma. And we were sort of lucky enough to be in an ecosystem where... um. It, we were not looked down upon so as you say rather we were uh, asked to seek
3: treatment you know So is that how you two met is through Instagram or did you know each other from school?
2: We, were oh, we knew each college. other from, yeah. yeah
3: okay, gotcha. And so what does treatment accessing treatment look like um for you? Is it dialectical behavior therapy or are there other treatments?
2: Um, I'm under psychodynamic therapy, which is, uh, it's it's not really full-fledged uh, psychodynamic therapy, but it's psychodynamically oriented. Um, in the past, I have tried CBT, but uh, that didn't work for me. Uh, I never tried DBT. There's, I think, a dearth of DBT uh, therapists in India. Uh, I, I'm not very sure. I don't have statistics to back this up. But from what I've heard uh, from other people, so like on our community, there, there are people who are often reaching out to us, asking us for dbt professionals, and it's really hard to find one. So that's the backing that I have to support this statement. So, so there's not much of DBT, but again, you know, there's a lot of, even among the CBT trained specialists, there's a lot of insensitivity even amongst mental health practitioners, when it comes to BPD. I have a first-hand experience of this because uh, when I was first diagnosed, my first psychiatrist, he said that I was acting like a five-year-old and he said that I was just being an attention seeker. And he said I was causing pain to my family by being dramatic. And I think when these sort of statements come from a person you trust and you look up to and you hope will help you, uh, it's absolutely shattering because you... You just don't know what to make of it. Then you start doubting yourself. You start wondering, what if I am the one at fault? What if I am actually being dramatic? And it's so invalidating. So uh, there is a lot of stigma. I don't know, but I don't know how it is in Canada or the states. But over here, uh, even mental health practitioners frown upon people with BPD. So it's not so much for other conditions, but BPD is particularly, and it's like a sore thumb that sticks out in a very odd manner, and it's it's subject to a lot of discrimination.
3: Yeah, I think it's safe to say it's the same yeah. here. Hey, Sarah.
0: Yeah, that that's what I was going to say.
3: And so um, Mahima, how about yourself? Have you accessed treatment?
1: Uh, yes. So I was under CBT and I was under um, psychodynamics as well. Now I am under DBT and uh, talk therapy both. Uh, but CBT, like for Melina, it did not do anything for me, like. I did not understand what to do, how to do. Apart from that, I'm also on medication, which has helped immensely. Uh, and about the mental health professionals, I have faced the same things. I think um, I had a very good psychiatrist who would tell me that you're causing pain to your family and your loved ones, and that nobody will be in your life if you uh do you know if you mm, mm, sort of show such behaviors if you exhibit such behaviors you have a nasty attitude towards life and you you just need to do more meditation and you need to take deep breaths and I was like okay bye I'll never see you again and I asked him um you know, um, are you usually like this or this is a special occasion and he's like, you do not like me and I'm like, yes, I don't so. So that was my experience but I have rather been lucky to have the psychiatrist and the um, therapist that like I do now which took me over in year to find. So I started out in another city so when I had to come back home um i did not have a therapist i did not have a psychiatrist i did not have a therapist for an year so uh yeah but i have been really really lucky which is really sad to say you know because you shouldn't be lucky to be able to access health healthcare i'm not even going to say mental health i'm going to say healthcare here it's sad um so it took me as a person and year to wrap around my head wrap my head around. I don't know why I keep saying that now. So uh, it took me a while to be okay with seeking therapy again because I had traumatic experiences where uh, it was sort of like that you, you just change your attitude and you just do some exercise. I think I have this Um, one of them just made me a routine like you have fresh fruits and you have like milk and do all those and you'll be perfectly fine and I was like okay and then I went on to not find a therapist but uh, I also feel at the same time um, yes there is a dearth of therapists and psychiatrists and like Milena also said that like, um, we do not find DBT specialists they are very rare to find as such in India like properly training and all of that and clinical psychologists. But the fact of the matter is that there are people like there is somebody who you can go to and it always takes time. So um you know it's not one fix-all solution, especially when it comes to BPD, because we have like so many combinations and two different people could have completely different experiences with BPD. But that being said, I think the yes, the mental health care system is also uh stigmatizing the situation, but there are people who are doing their best, who are coming out, and who are talking and um who are doing things that could be helpful for people who have BPD. Because with BPD, because there is a certain amount of Rather, it's a lot about how your mood keeps swinging. So I could be in the clinic now and be happy and I could want to kill myself outside. So that is, I think, also a pressure for mental health specialists um, that they probably don't want to deal with. Because, you know, for BPD, it could be I could just be uh, having an episode at night and then what do I do? It takes time, you know. Um, apart from that, uh for um, talking about mental health care system and the psychologists and therapists, um, they have to pay for their own internships. It's that bad. Like when you they are in colleges, they have to pay for their own internships. The seats are very less. The training is very less. Um, So what do we do about it when we don't even have seats, when we are asking our students to pay for interning? We are literally chucking out a majority of the section, a majority of the population who would otherwise become uh, specialists, and which is also a reason why a lot of therapists and psychologists end up charging more and more and more, which then is not accessible with uh, by the common population. You know, so it's it's like that.
3: Yeah. That's a lot to take in. Right. And I think it's important for us to say, I know Sarah and I can both speak to this, like DBT is not the only option. Right. So I I only ask because that's the therapy that worked really well for me, but if CBT didn't work for you, that's all good. If psychodynamics working for you, that's all good. Or if one's inaccessible, obviously like taking anything that you can get is helpful. Um, but yeah, the access issue is, I think that's hard everywhere. Honestly. I mean, I don't think any country has got it figured out yet. Like maybe like Sweden or something. Um, but that's that's kind of it, right? Um, so you you two started the ebb and flow series. Is that is that the right way to word it? Ebb yes. and flow program? Yeah, do you want to yes. talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah I mean, my, my if you want to go
1: okay,
2: go ahead. Okay.
1: So um it it was a random January, February. Uh, morning and i was just sending out i had a kangiga talk by this doctor this clinical psychologist and i was i i always want to get people who could be beneficial for everybody in the community and we, because there is an understanding between all of us that uh, it's not accessible it's not very cheap it's not you know, people can't afford. So I reached out to her and I asked her, Ki, Will you be willing to do a session for us, like all of us? And they didn't get back to me for a long while. They were like, Come back in March. And then they were like, Come back in April. And then it was April. And uh, we, we hold support group sessions every month, right? For people in India, um, which are firstly, a biomedical health professional. Uh, A wonderful one for that matter. Uh, And it was in April that we decided, okay, May is the year, May is the month that we are completing one year of TPE humans. And we are also in the mental health, uh, it's also the mental health awareness month and BBG awareness month. So it's like our uh, birthday and let's just do something. And we, Kept on reaching out to people. We kept on talking to different professionals and being like, okay, this doesn't work, this this works. And, you know, looking at people who I, Melina and I, would personally approach to get treatment from, that was the idea. To get those people on board, to get those people to talk about and not just talk and come and preach, you know, that was never the idea of ebb and flow. Um, but for people to be able to ask questions, for people to be able to get some sort of answer, some sort of uh, stability, it, it obviously w- will not cure or it will not, they will not be in the re- recovering phase or attending one or five sessions. But to get some sort of credential, some sort of understanding around it. And also to give back to the community because for the last year both of us have received a lot of love I've never felt more understood I've never felt more safe you know safe is the word I've never felt safe so safe between people because now here I know that I can be understood and I can put out things and somebody will reach out Um, So it's been huge in that sense. And we wanted to give it back to the community in whatever small ways we could. So that is how we came up with Evan flow. And oh, the name, keeping the name was um, rather a funny job because I think we came up with 100 names and we would just laugh. We would be like, how pathetic it can be. And we also came up with bold, beautiful borderline for that matter. And then we're like, we have heard this name. Where have we heard this name? And then I'm like, oh, that is the podcast. So, <laughs> uh, that, that happened. Um, so, we could have kept the name as your podcast, but yeah, then we remembered that, no. Uh, that is how we came up with the festival, festival event, workshop, however you want to name it, just um, a series of events for people who experience me or you know who would like to know more about it so yeah
3: the topics look amazing i know like time wise i haven't been able to go but are they're offered in english right yes yes yes, yes. yeah that's awesome and is your support group offered in english yes yeah cool yeah the
1: only catch with the support group is that it is open only for people in india Whereas uh, the ebb and flow sessions, all of them, they are uh, open internationally, and of course, there's
3: no charge for it again. Yeah. Awesome. I'm sure there will be lots of people. I I don't know how many listeners we have in India. I know we have some. I'm not sure how many, but um, that will be interested in the the support group. Um. Yeah. Because the Super Feelers Club that we host is great, but unfortunately, it's not super convenient for different time zones. Right. So we try our best and some people wake up in the middle of the night to attend, but like, that's not ideal. So it's super nice to have other options. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. That was the idea actually to, to for, especially because we wanted to bring something to India, which was not there. So I, I, to the best of our knowledge, this is the first support group for people who have a diagnosis of BDD. It's never been done before. And it it was a need. It was a need more than anything else. So, yes. And also, it becomes difficult to churn, like, to share so much space with a lot of people because ideally it should not exceed a lot of time or a lot. Otherwise, it becomes draining for the people involved as well because, um... The conversations can be very heavy sometimes but that being said they're also funny and they're also humorous and and they are full of hope a lot of times because we have had people who started last year when we from the first day and they are there today and we have seen um the kind of improvement they have made and so have we i think it's it's
2: like a symbiotic yeah. relationship. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, symbiotic is the right word because it's a two-way process. You know, it's it's not just. Um, of course, we are doing something for the community, but they're doing just the same, if not more, for us. And uh, and you know, there's our hearts are full of gratitude because. Um, this community has helped us immensely. I mean, it has helped me personally. Um, and it's not always just serious talk, you know. We, we have a Discord uh, server where uh, it's like a chat room of sorts where we literally share playlists, uh, share memes, um And you know, just make fun of each other, so we have different channels within that, so there is something where you know there's triggering stuff, so you know whoever is in the headspace can actually go there and you know hear someone out if you're not in the headspace, you don't need to check out the channel, then there's fun stuff, um uh, you know people just talking about random things um so it's it's really nice it's it's like we're this family, we laugh together, we cry together, and uh, we're there for each other, so um, yeah, it's just that,
1: yeah. Yeah, I, I think the idea was never to become sort of rulers or sort of admins yeah. of the entire thing. The idea was always to create a community that is self self-sustainable, you know, that every single person comes up and does their own thing. So, for example, somebody in the group would decide that, okay, if I'm good at cooking food, so you know, today we could cook food and uh, some of us would come together and we would cook something together. So it's like bringing people together and also letting them be, you know, doing the best that they can, which is very important. Like, uh, you can choose. You have the autonomy to leave. You have the autonomy to stay. You, whatever you want. You want to take a break, take a break. You you want to come and chat. at like, night do that you want to listen to songs do that so it's literally about people being there for each other and we just being sort of the moderators like that is the only role we have in fact um, we have a different account from bpd humans and our personal accounts on the discord are different because we don't want to be the you know the the rulers of the group or something like that. We, we just want to be a participant in it as much as other people want to be.
3: That is so incredible. Um, and I also love a good BPD meme. So please feel free to send them to me. And they're like <laughs> they make me so happy. I'm just like, how do I get on this Discord server? I don't even know how it works, but I just need a BPD meme specific thing in my life.
2: I just want to thank you guys for having us yeah. here and um, it's been lovely I mean this conversation has been so fruitful and uh, so cathartic in a way uh, for us to you know reach out to such a large audience and uh, and to talk to such a diverse group of people because there's, lo- there's a lot that we've learned from you today in this in the course of today's conversation so uh, it's been great thank you for having us
1: Milana is completely summed up so I am at a loss of words, but uh, Sarah, I love your belly. I I love that all bellies are like bellies. Uh, I have.
0: Thank you. That's so cute. Yeah.
1: I have kept that in mind every single day and I'm like, okay, it's okay. You will be okay. And so thank you for having us. It has been incredible. Um, I, I think I've spoken of things that I have not thought about, you know, like, a Freudian slip of tongue, which I can't plan on, but good. It's
3: been good. We just appreciate you both so much. So everybody can find you on Instagram at BPD yeah. Humans, and yeah. uh, we'll include all the information for Ebb and Flow in the show notes.
0: Hi, friends! Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Bold, Beautiful, Borderline podcast. Lori and I are so grateful that you're here with us on this journey, and. We can't wait to dive into more topics in the future with you all about borderline and even have some more fun and exciting guests to join us on the podcast. If you really enjoyed this episode, we would love if you would rate, review and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. We would also love to see you interact with us on social media and on our Patreon page. The links to that are included in the show notes. So check us out there. We would be incredibly honored to get to know you all as you get to know us and our recovery stories. We love you and we'll see you next time.